Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 960 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with Rick. Now, Rick is the father of two children with type 1 diabetes, and he has a really incredible job. Rick has created, written, and produced some really awesome children's television. His brand new show, Do Drop Diaries, is available right now on Netflix. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you like very comfortable sheets, clothing, and towels, go to CozyEarth.com and use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. When you use that offer code at checkout, you will save 40% off of your entire order. If you're looking for community around your diabetes, check out the private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. There are 40,000 people in there, caregivers, people with type 1, people with type 2, all kinds of interesting conversations. You never know who you'll bump into. Actually, Rick's a member. Go tell him how much you enjoyed Dewdrop Diaries. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod 5. Head right now to my link, omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. There you can learn all about the Omnipod 5 or the Omnipod Dash. You can get started, check into your coverage, or even request a demo. There's no reason to wait. Head over now, omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. And before you start with the Omnipod 5, check out my three-part series about getting ready for Omnipod 5. It's at juiceboxpodcast.com forward slash Omnipod 5. I start every day by drinking AG1. AG1 is a foundational nutrition product and it gets me going. I feel hydrated, ready. I know all those vitamins and nutrients are in there. I'm supporting my gut health. And that's how AG1 helps me to get through my days. It doesn't matter if you're going in an office, out for a run, or making a podcast. Drink AG1. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Do that at my link, drinkag1.com forward slash juicebox. My name is Rick Saval, and I'm the father of two T1D daughters. I'm also a television writer and producer. I was the head writer on Amazon's animated series, The Stinky and Dirty Show. And I created the uh, new Thomas and Friends reboot that came out last year. And I'm currently the executive producer and creator of a new preschool animated series called The Dewdrop Diaries that will be coming out probably right whenever this airs on Netflix. Uh, and this show is very special to me because uh, it was inspired by my two T1D daughters. Wow. All right, we're going to get into all that. But first, I have to understand, how do you how do you get into this kind of work? What's the path? Um, you know, I got a, I mean, I, I started at with a with one of those pity favor meetings, uh, where when I first came out to Los Angeles, my grandmother said she had a um, uh, her best friend's kid was a producer and writer on law and order and i should go meet with him and i went out to the universal lot and had lunch with him and i'm sitting there in a jacket and tie 
And uh, he's the first thing he says is, I hope you didn't wear that for me because, you know, you're creative. You're supposed to be in your jeans and your, your T-shirt. And I was like, oh. Uh, and so this guy ended up we hit it. We really hit it off. We were both like lactose intolerant and played, you know, clarinet in the sixth grade. And uh, so he took a shine to me and kind of mentored me and got me my my first gig writing. And that kind of snowballed into uh, writing. I've written movies for Sci-Fi Channel and Hallmark Channel. And uh, and then I kind of got into animation just because I had met enough writers over time uh, and they, they gave me a shot. And I kind of just worked my way up the ladder there. So all this is because you can't tolerate milk and you played the clarinet is that what i'm hearing exactly exactly <laughs> the key to uh, everyone's success in this business <laughs> um so what did you do in high school and did you go to college i in high school i i was one of the dramies you know i really liked uh, the theater program at my high school and uh, but i'd love to write i always loved to write at that point and um i went to college at uh, hofstra university in sure. new york um and uh, my wife and I met there and we drove out to Los Angeles together and we've been together for a long, long time. Wow, that's crazy. So you just you wanted to write it first. That was just your first. Movie. I did. I wanted to. I think I wanted to. I mean, I studied in college, you know, writing and film. And I I, I had this kind of ideal of being that indie writer director. Uh, and then once I met my mentor, his name is Morgan Gendel. Might as well give him a shout out. Uh, when I met my mentor. I kind of saw how TV worked and I saw that it was a lot more fast paced, you know, it can take years for a movie. And if you're just a writer on a, on a, on a film, you're often a, a low person on the totem pole. The director is kind of the, uh, the star of the production. And then, but I learned in TV, you know, the producer, the writer producers are the people in control and uh, the directors end up being kind of somewhat blue collar and they're for hire uh, on TV shows. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously some rise to being executive producers as well and create shows, but um, for the most part, it that's more of a journeyman type of job. And so I just like that, that seeing that, that power that they had, I mean, not that it's like, you know, crazy power, but I just, I like that they had the creative control mm -hmm. of the show. It's interesting that I, did you grow up around anybody who was creative? in your sphere, even a story like, like that. The reason I ask is because I wanted to write my whole life growing up and I was a terrible student and I didn't know anybody. And I lived in a very blue collar family. And I always had the feeling that if I said to my mom or dad, you know what I'm thinking? What if I wrote my feelings down about this? I think they would have been like, Oh, you should shut up and go get a job is, was always <laughs> kind of my fear. Uh, so I didn't do it. The podcast happened after I wrote a book, but the book came from a blog and, mm -hmm. and I enjoyed the process so much, but then it was, it was unfulfilling. Like the process was fulfilling and the end of it, I, I found myself realizing like, I don't even care if anybody like reads this. Like, I just want to, like, I, I would like to make more. And it was because books are, I mean, they're tough. If you're not famous, it's hard to get somebody to read your book, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's such a different uh, discipline for me. Like I've thought about writing a book, but that's really as far as it's gone because, you know, it's, it's writing screenplays and writing, you know, teleplays, very different uh, process. And you don't, in, in a novel, you can talk about how people think and you can talk about your thought process and, you know, uh, in, you know, uh, in a screenplay, you're, you're really kind of 
cutting it down to be like a blueprint of, yeah. of what we're going to see. I mean, sure, there's creativity in there uh, for sure. Uh, and the best screenplays have style and, and, a, and a voice. But at the same time, you're cutting the quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't I don't really have the discipline. I'd like to write a play, too. But uh, at some point I have an idea. But for me, it's like two hours of people just talking, whereas I'm so used to like, we got to get to the next scene. No entrances, no exits. And it's it's always fast paced. And right. what moves things forward? Whereas, you know, in the play, you just kind of ruminate. Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, I actually, I had a blog for a while too, because I was a, uh, you know, being a writer, you're not uh, always working. So I was a stay-at-home dad, um, like yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, so I started blogging about my adventures of being a stay-at-home dad. And then it kind of uh, some of that kind of got picked up as somehow I became like a, a parent expert for a little while, you know, uh, <laughs> was, was this around 2012, 2013? Cause that's about when it, that happened to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, it was probably around then. It was probably mm-hmm. around then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Blogs were really strong then. And a lot of producers were reaching into the internet to find people. And I would find myself in the oddest situations. Um, the podcast actually partly exists because of that, because a producer for Katie Couric, I think needed a stay at home dad in the New York area. And she just Googled it and found my website. It was like, this guy's a stay at home dad. He's written a book. And then the, suddenly I was on television being interviewed about like being a stay at home dad. And while these other three guys, they were so um, earnest. And I just remember one of them had only been a stay at home dad for like a year. And he was being so earnest. And I started, I was laughing at him, which I don't think is protocol. <laughs> and, um, and it swung back to me. And then I just did this thing where, I had done a I'd done an interview prior to that. I did something honestly for Katie Couric's uh, web show first, and I thought this was going to be my only chance ever. And they took me up to New York, and I was in I think CBS where they do the CBS Evening News. I was in that studio, and they were using it during the day, so people were working in cubicles everywhere behind behind the um, director and behind the cameras. And a guy went before me. And he was good. Like, he answered the questions, and he was thoughtful. And I thought, that's nice. But I was standing in the wings, and I thought, it's completely forgettable. Like, like, what do I care if this is good? I'm never doing this again. You know what I mean? (laughs) And, like, 10 minutes later, I'm telling Katie Couric about the time my wife and I had sex in a field when a train went by very slow. And I'm telling all these kind of bombastic stories that I'm just like, no one's going to use this. And I don't give a fuck. I was like, I'm like, I'm going for it, you know? And um, she's laughing. I look up the people in the cubicles are laughing. Everyone's having a good time. And like a week later, I get this note from her assistant and it says, hey, the raw footage from your interview is like going around the office and people are having such a great time. Uh, The actual thing we're going to use is like 90 seconds long because you didn't say anything we can actually use. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, I don't care. But then two weeks later, come on the TV show. And when I was walking off, again, I kind of thought this was it. And she grabbed me and she goes, you're so good at talking to people. And I said, oh, thank you. And then I didn't know what else to make of that. But like a year later, as blogging waned away, I thought, oh, I'll make a podcast because Katie Kirk said I was good at talking to people. And that was my the entire basis I had for even trying this, which was ridiculous. that's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's just dumb luck. Honestly, it's not lactose intolerance and clarinets, but it's pretty good. Um <laughs> So you and I intersect each other originally, right? Because you have well, you have two kids with type one, but one of your kids is named Arden. 
Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I was Googling around, like uh, I, I was struggling for like, what, what's out there? What resources are there? And I was like, uh, and then I saw, I'm like, wait, there's another T1D dad that has a, has, you know, has, has, has a kid named Arden. I was just like, wow. So I think we exchanged some messages a long time ago. Long time ago. I sent it to my daughter and I, and she goes, get out of here. Are you serious? And I was like, yeah, I was like, that's crazy. Right. Because there's only, I don't know how far you looked into it when you were naming your children, but we looked at the time that we picked Arden as a name. I think there was fewer than 10,000 people in America named Arden and more than 50% of them are men. It's like an older man's name. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. That just seems very random, you know? Yeah. And we really, and we love the name because it was so rare, you know, yeah. we're like, oh, this is great. It's not quite Apple, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but uh, we felt like it was, you know, original and yet not, you know, so crazy. Yeah, no, it's terrific. It really is. It's wonderful. I'm sure we'll, uh, if we go on long enough, we'll start an army of children named Arden that have diabetes <laughs> or probably not, probably will never happen again. So how, if you have two kids, how old are they? Uh, right now they're 14 and 17. 14 and 17. Arden 17. Arden 17. Wow, look, they're so close in age, too. That's crazy. Uh, who gets type 1 first? Arden did. Uh, she was about uh, 8 years old, just had turned 8. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Alex, we found out, um, we, we did trial net, and so we were able to catch it. So no hospital for the second kid. We caught it. But that was about a year and a half later when Alex was, or maybe two years later, when Alex was 6. Okay. So they've uh, ten year about ten and eight years they've had it, yeah, yeah. Um, is there any autoimmune in your family line or your wife's? Yeah, we had to kind of research that. Uh, my mother in law has uh, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, and so I know that is an autoimmune disease. And then we did find out, like much later, that my grandfather's sister probably had type one. Okay, so it would be my great aunt. Uh, but I had never met her. So yeah. um, she died before I was born. So I think that she was, you know, uh, she's lucky to live as old as she did, you know, with the with the old insulin regimen that she had. Yeah, no, some that that really is a, a toss of the dice back then. I had somebody recently tell me that similarly, like a great or great, maybe a grandmother or great grandmother, they thought had type one. And she asked her father and the father said, all I know is she really had to watch it. That was like the extent <laughs> of the information they got, you know, from it. Um, so. Okay, so there's no real, I mean, RA's autoimmune. Your wife already has bad luck. She plucked a guy out of Hofstra and he was a stay-at-home dad. So she's not on, a, on a, a great roll until this whole thing starts working out for you. But um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So when, what's the first diagnosis look like? The second one, obviously, you knew what to look for, but the first one, how did it go? Yeah, the first one was, um, you know, my wife, you know, she's a, a, a WebMD sleuth. Uh, so she was just, my daughter was kind of a pudgy kid. And then when she was about eight, she was in the elementary school play and she got the flu, which we realized that was the trigger mm -hmm. for the gene because suddenly she was losing weight. And I'm like, my wife's all worried. She's losing weight. I'm like, she's looking great. And my wife is like, but she's going to the bathroom a lot. And you know, she's, uh, eating, eating a ton and losing weight. There's something has to be wrong with her. Uh, and I was like, there's nothing wrong with her. And, uh, so my wife eventually said, you know, I think she could have type one diabetes. Wow. Like, I don't, I didn't know anything about that. So we were scheduled uh, in 
July, you know, like a month after my daughter's birthday to go in for her physical. And I said, let's just wait till then. And we'll go in and uh, I'll ask them, ask the doctor about that. And so my wife agreed to kind of wait for that. Meanwhile, my daughter goes to summer camp and for some strange reason, she was passing out from time to time. Um, (laughs) But uh, we took her in and I remember I said to the doctor, oh, my wife, you know, as it was like Columbo, one last thing, you know, I was like, uh, can you see when you do blood work that if she has type one diabetes, my wife thinks. And the doctor says, Oh, let's do a urine test right now. And she said, Oh my gosh, she, her blood sugar is 711. Um, you need to go to the hospital right now. Um, and I was like, Oh, um, but they're they're like, since we're already at the hospital where the doctor is, you know, just kind of hang out with her for a bit and we'll make sure we can get her uh, set up there. So you don't have to walk right into the emergency room. So I knew nothing about type one diabetes. So I, I thought my daughter would never have sweets again. So I took her to the, uh, to the commissary at Cedar sinai hospital in Los Angeles and said, eat all the sweets you want right now, kiddo, have, have that sugar donut. And uh, cause I had no idea. <laughs> and uh, so she's just mowing that down and then they come in uh, into the hospital. Like that's probably not the best idea, but we'll get it under control. Rick, Rick you got crazy dad logic. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> also, what's the bigger concern in the moment uh, that your daughter has type one or that you're going to have to tell your wife that she was right. And you were ignoring <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always worse if I have to tell my wife she's right. Exactly. Um, and she always is. She always is. Um, but yeah, so it was it was fine. I mean, we had that, you know, that I think two nights stay in the hospital and uh, where they kind of gave us that whirlwind training where that you forget every single thing they say and you're looking at this paperwork afterwards. But um, yeah, so I mean, that was uh, that was it was very weird and surreal, and you know, having to give needles and dealing with schools immediately afterwards, and you know, there's not enough nurses in 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 uh, in Los Angeles for the schools they shared them, so like they have to schedule a nurse to come by to make sure she has her shot. And I do remember right away, my daughter went back to school, and the uh, the nurse, you know, was you know really hurt her with the shot. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, they were not trained well. So my daughter at eight goes, I'm giving myself shots. And so she instantly was giving herself shots, which was great. Um, And yeah, so it was, it was a difficult uh, transition for sure. I would imagine. Did she spend much time in the hospital? Just the, just the two nights. Uh, But she was never, never technically went DKA. So she was kind of just in it, you know, I think uh, that uh, Vine had just come out, you know, uh, that 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 six second video, you oh, know, uh, social that. media thing. Yeah. So she's making Vine in the hospital and nurses and she, you know, like you know, she was just having a blast in the hospital. Like, hey, people are waiting on me hand and foot, you know. Right. Oh, those people must be pissed about TikTok, huh? The Vine people. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I bet they wake up every morning and they're like, damn it. <laughs> we were ahead of our time. <laughs> Well, it happens sometimes. Sometimes you have a good idea before everybody else is ready to to, to uh, believe in it. Okay, so sure. does she um, use – well, she's on MDI for how long? Because I'm, I'm hearing when we were talking before we got on, like she's pumping now, right? Yeah, she was on MDI uh, for the first six months. I guess that was protocol. Didn't know you could fight it and do things earlier. But they said, we want six months basically so you understand how to do MDI. So – um, so we were about six months before we got the approval for her to go on the animus ping at the time. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, no CGM at that time. Or uh, there was, so we, we G4. did get one about that same time. We did get the CGM. About G- was uh, that G4? Yeah, it was the G4. Okay. Um, no share as you know, at that time. 
Mm. Um, so I did that. I did that hack, the night scout hack where I had the, the uploader phone, which would go in her purse at school and, you know, wired to the CGM and send me the data. So I would have that. Yeah. I put a, um, my God, I, I don't think I've ever said this on here. You used to be able to buy, um, like, uh, back then I think it was like, uh, three, I don't know if it was G's or three G, but it was like a cell phone repeater that you plugged in. And I bought one of those and like artfully put it in the middle of Arden's classrooms that she was in. And like, I was getting data from her that way. And that was, oh nice yeah, that was before the school had Wi-Fi. They were like, what are we doing? I'm like, I'm just plugging this in right here. You won't even know it's here. I'll be back at the end of the year to get it from you. Don't worry, plug. And they went for it. So, um, awesome. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It was actually, uh, Harry back then you had to like there was a lot to do you had to I had to talk to the I think I had to talk to the cell company to letting me put it somewhere that wasn't my address and like there was a ton that went on with it and in the end like it felt like six months later Dexcom was like hey here's the share I was like ah, yeah yeah that was that was a nice change for yeah, sure yeah okay um so what do you think about the impact on your life because you're in a unique situation were you still a stay-at-home dad at that point I was, I mean, on and off because, you know, the freelance life, the TV life, I'm in between jobs all, all the time. And so, yeah, and I, I and I'm t- to this day, I'm still the, uh, the, the primary care provider for all T1D stuff mm-hmm. uh, for both my kids. Um, I'm the one getting up at night, you know, uh, still. And um, my hot- wife could. Is that your punishment? That? For, is that your punishment for not listening when she told you it was diabetes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or it's it's the fact that my wife could could you know sleep through an earthquake here oh. <laughs> or a nuclear holocaust. So, um, but yeah, I'm up with that. Uh, I'm, I'm up for the highs and lows. And um, how did it change you? Like, what was the? Did it have an impact on your personality and your outlook? And I'm interested. It did. I mean, I I, I think it did. I mean, it really got involved. I really felt like what can I do? Cause I think we all feel so um, helpless when our kids are diagnosed. And so I, you know, was doing my research and I, uh, I started doing JDRF events. We did a walk that first year. Cause we're like, maybe we can raise, I mean, cause we've all heard like the cure is only five years away. Right. And so, and you believe that, you know, in that, that beginning stages, cause you have to. And so I was like, let's raise money for it. And we raised a lot. And so as a result, the JDRF reached out to me saying, hey, would you want to be on the board of directors uh, for the Los Angeles chapter? And that just felt like I was doing something proactive and I would would be able to get, you know, I would hear about the research early. I would, you know, be able to kind of, you know, help, you know, raise money uh, for, for more research. So I was really into the JDRF. I still love the JDRF. I'm not part of it now, but I... I still, you know, am associated with them. Uh, part of it was I was mentoring newly dosed fam- uh, newly diagnosed families, you know, in the area. Mm-hmm. They would often assign me that, and they became a big part of our family. My, my our Arden was, you know, their spokesperson for the for the walks on the news and stuff like that. Yeah. So she she was just cute and uh, great personality. So they they would use her her picture, and she would do go around and do talks when she was eight and nine years old. Oh, that's something. Uh, I think I think my Arden did. uh, They went. We went down to I think the ABC studios to film a a commercial for the local walk, and she's just sitting there, like smiling and waving. And I asked her about it recently, and she's like, "I don't remember that." Like, great, (laughs) good use of our afternoon. (laughs) So, uh, but uh, but I take your point too about this stuff. Like, we jumped in with JDRF very quickly. Um, Honestly, the blog started because I didn't raise very much money the first year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
I'm like, how could I put all this effort into it? And I raised like a couple thousand dollars. And I was like, I'm going to use the internet. The, everybody's talking about the internet. I'm like, I'm going right. to use that. Seriously, that's how long ago it was. I was like, I'm going to make a thing. And and I got on, uh, I had a, a an Apple computer and it had this program on it called iWeb. And the, oh, yeah, the, I, I used iWeb for oh, sure. Yeah, the promise of iWeb is you could put your thoughts on the internet. And I was like, get out of here, seriously? So I used that. And, um, and I started writing a blog before, honestly, I... I don't even think I knew what a blog was, get, mm-hmm. you know, when I was doing it. Um, but I take your point, like, you know, in the beginning, you have that feeling of like, we really, like, I want to help. And I, I don't know how, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's yeah. a, it is, it's a, it's kind of a terrible feeling if you can't fulfill it, because it just feels like you're not doing anything. Yeah, I mean, that's why I, you know, the minute I heard about loop, I I went out and found those old Medtronic pumps and started looping with both my daughters. You know, I, st- I immediately was doing loop. I was doing anything I could to kind of make things better for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we've we tried, you know, all the different pumps. We've tried, you know, MDI, my old, my younger daughter's in an Afrezza study now. I mean, we're, I'll do anything to try and kind of make their lives better if I can. Yeah. How does she like that? That's in the inhaled insulin. How's she like? Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, it is so fast and uh, I mean, it's, it's that ultra rapid. So if she's, you know, we, we can't take it before eating and we often can't take it before uh, she starts to go up because it's that fast. So the minute she starts to see the rise, she can take it. But like if she was 300 and she took the Afrezza within, I mean, you look at that Dex, those Dexcom numbers between the high number and the next number, it's already going down. Hmm. Uh, so she was, she's, she can drop, you know, in minutes back to, to normal. Oh, that's, that's interesting. So, and that's just a meal insulin. Is that correct? No, we're, no, I mean, part of the study that she's doing is that's all uh, corrections and meal, everything. She, but she still has to take a, a, you know, a basal insulin. Okay. She's shooting uh Traceba or something like that. We just started Traceba because we were using like uh, the generic Lantus, which doesn't have, doesn't last as long. She would start to rise, but Traceba, I think it's 42 hours. So yeah, it's um, interesting. it tails itself a little bit. And yeah, it's just nice. You don't have a drop off like you do with Lantus and Levomir. Um, and does she like that or is she just doing it to do it? Like, is she indicated she, to you? Well, she definitely likes the little bit of money she gets every time she shows up, but she's 14. But uh, she like, but she actually really likes it because she she's very shy about giving her. She she switched to MDI, uh, you know, somewhere around six to nine months ago. She was getting we were getting a lot of uh, scar tissue on her stomach where she likes to put her pumps sites. Mm-hmm. So she was not getting good absorption at all. Uh, so we switched to, to MDI and it was much better. And she was liking that a lot. She really likes MDI, um, because she's very active too. And, you know, know, pump wires getting the way, uh, and she, she likes that. And so when it came up to try the Afrezza, she's like, sure, I'll try that. And she loves it because she would wait in class to, you know, like she likes to put in her leg. She doesn't want to pull down her pants in class. She doesn't want to go to the bathroom. She's too embarrassed. So she will, uh, but in class, she can take out her little thing and pretend she's vaping to make all the other middle schoolers go, what's going on? And, uh, <laughs> but she's allowed girl. to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she does that and, uh, and she loves it. And so she's just much more on top of it. Oh, that's and cool. How long does the trial go for? One year. Okay. How long has she been at it? Uh, one month. Oh, wow. That's the very beginning. So Arden only ever did one thing, um, when I think Omnipod made a change to the PDM and the FDA required them to basically put it in users' hands and 
make sure they could operate it. So they needed people mm. to come to this office and do it. We drove, I think it was down in Philly. Then we drove down and Arden just sat at a table and took direction from people and did everything. And they filmed her. And when it was over, they gave her $500. And she was like, yes, we have now found it. <laughs> like, she's like, what am I going to do with all of this money? And I was like, I don't know. What do you think? And I, I believe she bought clothing with it. So, um, but yeah, it's interesting when, when that stuff comes. Well, I, I'd love to hear about it at the end. And, uh, yeah, and see how it goes. Was there any, like, was Arden like, hey, I'd like to do this too? Or was this something unique? Well, she couldn't because uh, it's only for kids that are on MDI. Uh, okay. So in this particular study that they're doing, uh, because they, you know, they want people that are already on the basal insulin mm-hmm. uh, so they can swap out uh, shots for that. Okay. So, and Arden is about to hit 18 uh, next in a month and a half. So the, uh, does they it? want under it's an under 18 study. Yeah. Is she going to college? She is. She just uh got accepted to UC San Diego. Oh, lovely. And uh, that's where she's gonna head. Is that far from home? It's about a two hour drive. Uh, or she can hop on a train that actually goes right into our town, uh in, in Burbank, California. So that's kind of nice that we don't have to drive down and pick her up, that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, uh Arden is about a 14 hour drive from us. Oh wow, where she's at? Where she at? She's at SCAD in uh in in Savannah. Okay, great. Yeah, she wants to do fashion design, so she's going there for that. Um, but I prior to a year ago, I'd been to Atlanta once in my entire life, or or the George in Georgia at all. And uh, in the last year, I think I've been there six times. So (laughs) my 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 daughter starts going to college there. My son graduates from college, and he's like, "I got a job," and I'm like, "Great, where?" And he goes, "Atlanta." And I'm like, "Are you kidding?" I was like, "What do we live in Georgia now?" So um, anyway, I've been there quite quite a little bit. Uh, Well, I wish her a ton of luck. I hope that's uh, successful. Is she nervous about leaving with diabetes? Are you nervous about it? I think so. I, I mean, I think she's, I mean, she's doing well. I, I mean, a lot of pressure this time of year, you know, trying to get into college and finals and AP exams and prom, all that fun stuff about being, you know, uh, a 17 year old. So I think she is a little, she was a little nervous. She was waffling between two colleges. But when we went down, we actually went down there last weekend to check it out for the first time. And she just felt at home. Uh, it turns out one of my, uh, diabetes parent friends has a kid who's going to be in the same dorm as her next year. Who's a type one diabetic. Uh, and so I think she's, she's handling it pretty well. I mean, she has a tough time managing her diabetes. She, I mean, she's one of these kids who, um, she worries about lows. So she lets herself go high in stressful, uh, situations like a test or I'm doing the choir show and just unplugs. And then suddenly you're like, why am I 400? Why do I feel like crap? Yeah. Um, and so I am, I'm a little nervous for her. Like what sh- new stressors will there be in college and will you be able to handle it in terms of, I'm sure she will, but I just want to make sure she's on top of it. And, uh, you know, my wife is prepared to like turn off the Dexcom when my daughter goes to college because she just doesn't want to know. Um, I, I but... will, I'll tell you that the my biggest like speed bump so far has been that Arden is 18 and, you know, they're respectful of the idea that, you know, she knows she's at college and we're paying for it and that kind of stuff. Like she's not an ass about it or anything like that. But there is this thing where they could just not answer you. Right. You know, and and they can. Like say, look, Bob, this I already know what I'm doing. I'm doing this. If it's not happening quickly enough for you, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm not getting involved in this conversation. And that that started a little 
at the end of high school where she was sort of like, I'm doing like, cause we put it into her hands a lot more and we were getting ready for college. And, um, there were times I'm like, you need to like do something here. And she's like, I know, or I don't agree with you. And I'm like, I'm like, there are times when I'm like, you know, I'm the guy from the podcast. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, you, you know? And she's, and she's <laughs> like, uh, I don't care. So, um, but I've learned that they're just, that they're more learning experiences. And the one where Arden gets stuck on is at the end of a site, you know, like there are just times when your site's only got a few more hours on it and you've used a bunch of insulin already for you know the last few days and it just needs to be changed. And I'll send her a text and I'll say, this site gave up, like you have to change it. No, it's going to be okay. There's 40 units left. I'm using these, blah, blah, blah. And then her blood sugar is 250 a couple of hours later. And I see that she's changed the pump. Like I look on Night Scout, like she changed the pump. And I was like, ah, like, like I, I don't throw it back in her. I don't say anything, honestly. I just go, oh, she, she's, she saw a cause and effect here. And she's getting better at it as time goes. So very recently it happened again. And I said, hey, I know you don't like this as an answer, but that site's not okay anymore. You should change it. And um, never answered me, but she changed the pump. And I was like, oh, I think I won. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's the same thing. I'll yeah. say to my daughter, I'm like, come on, I can tell you unplugged. I'll send in a text message and stuff mm-hmm. like that. There's no answer. And then you see the number go down, you know, uh, yeah. you know, because she's actually corrected and replugged in. Does she have a um, uh, an experience that makes her concerned about lows or is it just a theoretical worry? It's theoretical. That's what's kind of uh, that's what bothers me is the fact that it hasn't happened. I'm like, we I always say to her, I'm like, we haven't let you die yet, you know, and, uh, you know, so I, she hates when I say that to her. But I'm like, uh, you know, you, she hasn't had a dangerous low. And so I'm just really it baffles me. But I, I but I'm not a type one. So I don't know what goes through her brain. And we all have, you know, different things that bother us. So. Um, it's just something she's working through, you know, we've tried to work with her and, you know, you know, she, she tries, you know, she's like, can you lower the bait, help me lower the basils. And so that I don't, you know, so that I don't, that the pump doesn't take me too low. And so we, you know, um, that, that's kind of how we, we've, we've dealt with it. Does she have anxiety about anything else? Yeah, I think she's an anxious person. And, but like I'm saying, she's doing a lot better, you know, in this past few months, you know, she's been uh, just working really hard about trying to uh, get over some of her, you know, hangups. Yeah. Just, you know, and in terms of, you know, for herself, too, because she knows she's going to go to college and a lot of this stuff will stack up. So she's trying to kind of get over these things now, which I, I, I applaud her for doing. Yeah. Oh, I think that, I mean, there's clearly a process and they have to go through it. Like, you can't save them from having this experience. The only, your only real, like, like genuine concern, in my opinion, is that that you don't want them to get off the rails in a way that derails the next years of their life or that they yeah. don't find their way back from. Like, I think that's the bigger concern, really. Yeah, I just remember I got some I remember going, I don't know if uh, your Arden went to like any of the diabetes camps, you know, during the summer, but like we went up there, we first went to the family camp. Uh, and then she she's gone every summer since. But I remember the counselors had like the took the parents aside for a while and told their stories to us. And one of them said, don't get mad at your kids about their blood sugars, you know, because if you start yelling at them about their diabetes, um, they'll rebel at some point. Like we all rebelled. We decided just not to bolus. And I was like, wow, it just was, it opened my eyes. So I've always kept it kind of even keel, even when I'm doing exactly what you're doing, you know, which is, Hey, by the way, 
sights old, you know, keep right. it even keel and never get angry, that kind of stuff. And, you know, obviously we're concerned for her health if she keeps it up uh, certain things. And we have, you know, honest conversations about that. But that was uh, I'm so glad I got that advice early on that, yeah. I, you know, try and keep it because, you know, we can all get kind of worked up, you know, about things. And yeah. I, I, I work hard not to. And I keep I kind of keep uh, my wife is the emotional one about diabetes. Uh, and I'm kind of, for me, I'm like, uh, I've, I've compartmentalized it. It's all business. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like time to change the site, time to do this. Oh, your blood sugar is high. You need this many, these many units. You know, I'm, I'm always talking to the kids that way. It's very business oriented. Yeah. No, I, I think I fall more towards your side of it as well. I listen, Arden had a tough week last week with her period and she, I saw her fighting with her blood sugar like for days and, you know, it kind of beat her up by the end of the week. She's like, between my period and my blood sugars and, like, school, she's like, I'm ex- like I'm exhausted. So we talked to her Thursday, and we're like, just go to sleep. Like, just come back. You don't have class on Friday. Like, go sleep it off a little bit. And she's actually did that today. And, um, you know, it, it does remind you to take care of yourself. Um, yeah. And I think, the, I think the issue can be, and this is just me kind of extracting from conversations I've had with people. But you can get into that situation, be faced with it and say, okay, I'm going to do the things that help this. Or you can just like throw your hands up and be like, screw it. And, and, and people have come on over and over again, you know, uh, in their late 20s to tell their story about college. And they go one way or the other. They're either like, I went there and I took really good care of it and I'm good. Or I went there and I ignored it the way you were, you'd be worried about and it it did me in for for a good stretch of time after that. And then, you know, mm. it took me a while to get back to it. And that's the part, you know, again, that's just the part I'm trying to avoid. I'm sure she'll be fine. Like, it's just, I mean, you're supporting her. You're available. I think that's a big deal. You know, she knows you're there and, and you'll be willing to help. I, I couldn't shut off the Dexcom. That part, I don't understand. That, that I can't do it, you know. Yeah. But I, I have seen her get angry uh, at my wife for, you know, bugging her about her blood sugars. And then my she just turned Cher off and I don't have anything either. So, mm. uh, but she just, then, then you know, she's over being angry, you know, a few hours later and then Cher pops back on. But, yeah. um, oh, that's funny. And, you know. But that's a mother and daughter thing too, maybe. Just like you don't go out to check on your own kid on the pitcher's mound when, uh. You don't send a dad out to, to talk to their son while they're pitching and it's not going well. Right. So, yeah, yeah, man, that's your <laughs> mistake there. So um, tell me a little bit. I picked through your IMDb a little bit, but tell me a little okay. bit about your pro- about the path you've been on with animation and what got you to this project. When I wanted to add a nutritional supplement to my diet, I began to drink AG1. Now, I drink AG1 in the morning as part of my ritual, and you can as well. I want my nutrition to be covered. I want to thrive. And that's why I drink AG1. Drinkag1.com forward slash juice box. I take my AG1. I put it in a nice cold glass of water. Shake it up. Actually, I use the this container that AG1 sent me. It's not really a glass, but that's neither here nor there. I shake it up. A couple quick shakes. It dissolves nicely and goes down beautifully. Tastes great. And it gets me ready for my day. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Once again, use my link, drinkag1.com forward slash juice box. My daughter has been wearing an Omnipod every day since she was four years old. And today, as I'm recording this, Arden just turned 19 today. That is 15 years 
of wearing an Omnipod every day. We don't do that, uh, you know, because they're sponsors. They're sponsors because we do that. Omnipod 5 is the first and only tubeless automated insulin delivery system to integrate with the Dexcom G6. It is available for people with type 1 diabetes ages 2 and older. It features smart adjust technology. It's in every pod, and it adjusts your insulin delivery based on your customized target glucose, helping to protect you against high and low blood sugars both day and night. If you're not looking for that algorithm, check out the Omnipod Dash. They both include a waterproof tubeless insulin pod that can be worn almost anywhere you give yourself an injection. Each pod eliminates the need for multiple daily injections, plus the automated delivery system in the Omnipod 5 helps to simplify life in so many ways. But like I said, if you want the Omnipod 5 without automation, that's terrific. If you don't want the automation, get yourself the Omnipod Dash. Now at my link, omnipod.com forward slash juicebox, you can scroll down a little bit. You'll see some purple buttons where you can check your insurance coverage or ask to go for a test drive. Ooh, a free Omnipod trial. Check it out, won't you? Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Only insulin pump you don't have to take off while you're swimming or bathing or any of your activities. You want to run around the house crazy? Wear your Omnipod. Want to go play soccer? Wear your Omnipod. You got some like adult fun you want to get involved in? Don't have to take it off for that either. You know what I'm saying? Adults, you know what I'm saying. Think about it for a second. Yeah, because when you disconnect to jump in the shower or wherever you're jumping, that's probably inappropriate. Can I say that? Probably not. You might forget to turn you might forget to put your pump back on. Those two pumps, when you have to take them off to go in the shower, they got to go back on again. Omnipod, you can leave on no matter your activity. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. There are links in the show notes to Omnipod, AG1, and all the sponsors. When you click on my links or type them in a browser, you are supporting the production of the show and you are keeping it free and plentiful. And speaking of that, I want to thank you so much. Just give me one second here. Just the other day, the show hit 13 million lifetime downloads, total downloads for the Juicebox podcast since it started at 13 million. That's crazy. I think this time next year, it'll be over 20 million. And that's because of how much you listen, the way you share the show, how you support the sponsors, everything that you guys do. And I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. I'll see you at 20 million. I was able to do a couple animated, you know, series episodes early in my career and then kind of, but they were kind of one-offs with not people that were like regulars in the business. And I always kind of wanted to get into animation. I've always been a fan of it. And I love, you know, the the world building and the creativity um, involved. So it took me a long time to kind of get my way into animation. So I was, you know, biding my time with those sci-fi channel movies and Hallmark movies that you see on my IMDb. Mm-hmm. And but then a friend of mine uh, had created this show called The Stinky and Dirty Show on Amazon. And he said, um, you know, you want to write an episode for me? And I'm like, for sure. And we, I actually got um, – I got kind of blocked at the time by Amazon because they they felt that, like, I didn't have animation credits. I didn't have preschool animation credits. It's a, it's a slightly different type of writing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, – but my my friend was like, you know, writers write. You know, he, I can I – can, 
teach him how to come up to speed really fast on that kind of stuff. Uh, but he's a good storyteller and I believe in him. And they initially said no. And then because uh, I think they were wanting like the Amazon, you know, was new and they wanted like all these Emmy winners. And uh, eventually when those people didn't work out, kind of rested on their literal laurels, they, uh, you know, not even, you know, putting periods of end of sentences. My friend said, now can we bring Rick in? And uh, they said, yes. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, this, this friend was such a good friend. He's like, let's, let's build you up some street cred and get you on some other shows. And he recommended me for a couple other shows. And I was able to get, uh, some animation credits while I was waiting for that. And to, to Amazon's credit though, they basically said, oh, this guy did a good job. Maybe next season we can make him the head writer. Uh, so that worked out really fast. Beautiful. Uh, and so that, that kind of started on the, the path, uh, there. I don't know if that. It, well, no, it does. I'm also wondering if it's uh, when when they start off and they want those pedigree people. If the pedigree people aren't like, oh, we can steal some money from this real quick and uh, <laughs> and move on. And then you get to the people who really want to work, and you know, they, I, I, it makes sense to me. Uh, does that show still run, or how long did it go for? It's still. I mean, we we got a couple seasons out of it on Amazon. It's still there. People are still just. And the great thing about like you know the way streaming is, people new people discover it all the time. I had a meeting the other day where their their kid's four years old, and it's a, he's a boy, and he loves trucks. And that show is you know for your listeners, it's about you know a, a dump truck and a backhoe loader who are best friends who solve problems with garbage and resourcefulness. Uh, and so, you know, um, it's very, you know, quote unquote boy show. So, you know, anytime a four-year-old's flipping through the dial, they see the, the, the trucks with faces on them and they're like, I got to check that out. So we get new fans all the time for sure. Uh, so that's still out there. It's interesting. It works the same way for the podcast. There are people who just like find it nine years after it started as if it's brand new. It's really, yeah, for really sure. Kind of and there's, well, there's always a newly diagnosed family every day. So yeah, I don't, that doesn't seem like it's going to stop anytime soon. Um, no. So then you get that, you get that, I guess, time, right? Mm-hmm. How many episodes do you think you wrote on by the time it was over? Um, I wrote, I might've written at least 10 episodes on that. And then I was, you know, the head writer. So as a head writer, you kind of, you work with the freelancers and you kind of help shepherd their stories along and then you rewrite all the, the phases. So, you know, a freelancer is not going to know quite know the voices or how we like things written and, you know, some story points. So we kind of go in and we kind of re- rewrite. Okay. Uh, Does that lead to another job that leads to another job? It did. You know, I, I, I got that and that led to um, my relationship with, uh, with Amazon doing some development work and I end up working at Disney afterwards that led to a job at Disney the same guy who created the stinking dirty show he got a job as a head writer over uh, on a Disney show called tots um and he asked me if I would be willing to go be a staff writer for him and there's not a lot of positions in animation it's like staff writer head writer and then you're either the creator or you're not yeah. um and so I said sure I, I'd uh I'd, I'd love to. And it was like almost like a vacation. I was not the head writer. So I could just write scripts and help break stories with the rest of the writers and, you know, just kind of, and then develop my own stuff on the side. And so while I was working there for a couple of years, I sold a bunch of shows, uh, original, original ideas or some stuff based on IP. And one of those was one of the things I was developing was Thomas on the side, Thomas of friends, uh, the reboot. And so that went forward. And in the middle of that, uh, a show I had sold the DreamWorks, um, my my newest show, Dewdrop Diaries, 
got picked up by Netflix. And so I kind of launched Thomas and, you know, produced uh, about 32 of the episodes and a standalone movie for them. And then I went on to uh, work on the show that I created. Okay. And this, this show is coming out right now on Netflix. Yep. Wow. Um, what's it about? It's called the Dewdrop Diaries, and uh, dewdrops are my made-up, uh, you know, uh, term for these little family fairies. It's a show about, you know, every every home with kids in the world has fairies secretly helping them with the little things that can fall through the cracks. It could be, you know, uh, you misplace your lost tooth, they see it fall under the bed, and they have to get it onto the top bunk before the kid falls asleep and puts his head on top of the, the tooth pillow. Mm-hmm. So the tooth fairy gets it in time. Or it could be you left your favorite toy at the park, and they got it. These little tiny fairies have to bring it, you know, back. And so... Um, it's it's a girl power show because I've got two daughters and I was inspired by them. So, but part of it was I wanted to create this kind of metaphor for little kids that can do anything. Because, you know, a lot of uh, us T1D parents are like, you can do anything. Nothing's going to stop you, diabetes. Now, the show is not about diabetes, but it's just that spirit of feeling like I want my kids to be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. So, and being little tiny characters, it's a metaphor for being a kid and reaching for big goals. And so, um, but I felt like if it's a fairy, um, actually originally they weren't fairies. They were just little, little characters that helped. And dreamer said, could they be fairies? And I said, well, let me think about it. If you give them magic and flight, you're taking away all the, the ingenuity and creativity they have to do to get things done. So I said, so what if we compromised and they're fairies in training, they've got wings, but they can't fly. And they've got one magical power each. One can talk to animals. One's got some super strength. One has this magical melody that can lull you to sleep. And, um, you know, it, it's really fun. And like I was saying, it's girl power. But it also, I want to do a show that I would want to watch as a parent. Right. And so every episode opens with like an action adventure homage to some action movie like Raiders of Lost Ark. Um, and so it's just really fun. So boys and girls can both watch it. It's, it's a preschool show, but uh, has fun kind of stakes and danger to it. And um, yeah, so I mean, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. And, you know, part of me being a T1D dad also was I've got this kind of the secret agenda I was having is I hired a T1D on my staff as a production coordinator. Hmm. I also hired um, Breck Bassinger, uh, the star of CW's Stargirl, yeah. uh, who is a T1D actress and JDRF ambassador. I, I got her to be uh, one of the characters on the show. Okay. And she was great. Like, uh, you know, I was DreamWorks said, oh, we uh, asked her to read. I'm like, can't we just make her the offer? Like, and she's like, no, I'll read. And it's my birthday. And I'm going to read on my birthday for you. And I was like, how awesome is Breck? And so that was great. She she read and got the part. And I hope if we get a second season that uh, I want uh, Nick Jonas to play a dad character on the show as well. Nice. Oh, that's excellent, man. Um, is there like you said, there's no diabetes in the show. Have you thought about ways to do it and it just doesn't work? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, is it is it too niche for people? It, it is to a certain extent. I mean, especially in the preschool space, it's it's too much to explain, especially to kids that don't have it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, oh, I've got this constant glucose monitor. My blood sugar is low. It's really hard to show, and especially in that younger age. And even if you look at, like, uh, Pixar's Seeing Red, there was two characters with CGMs and pumps, but there was never mention of it, right? Because it, it would slow down story. Uh, so it's hard 
But if you look at like uh, the Babysitter's Club on Netflix, I think it was Netflix, they had that. That has a T1D character and they talk about the blood sugars and they did a pretty good representation of type 1 diabetes, better than I've seen out there. So it, it really is hard to, you know, like at preschool space, if you wanted to show a disability, it's, it's probably someone in a wheelchair kind of thing so that they can kind of identify and see it. It just has to do with the comprehension thing at that younger age. I, mean, I wish there was a way to show it and, and you know, spread awareness that way. Uh, I had a friend who had a, a live action preschool show uh, and he was saying, hey, we're going to make one of the characters a type one diabetic. I said, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so we're going to be start debut them on the Halloween episode. What 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 candies can't they eat? Yeah. You're like, oh. <laughs> I, I was like, I, I was like, uh, I don't think you should do a type one diabetic. Yeah, you're going the wrong. Well, maybe you could put a device <laughs> on one of them and never mention it. Exactly. Just like seeing red did. I, yeah. I think that's a fun way to do it. And just kind of, kind of, you know, and just, especially for the kids out there, I think, you know, with seeing red, you know, it's like, it's like when you see a Dexcom in the wild, right. You know, you see someone at the, at yeah. Disneyland and it's on their arm and, and, and the kids are always like, Oh, look, you right. know? So I think it's that kind of identification, just like, you know, uh, you know, I want it to be like the American girl doll that has the type one diabetes and has the pump and all that stuff. But again, it is a little bit difficult for that younger age group. And so that's why, I, I really still wanted to, you know, promote awareness by hiring Breck and 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 hiring a type one diabetic uh, mm-hmm. on my on my staff, uh, and so you know, and just being a T one D dad, you know, I wanted to just whatever I can do to get yeah. the word out uh, about. So I know I'm on your show, but I'm hoping to go on mainstream, you know, non diabetic podcasts and talk about how diabetes was an influence, yeah, and just really kind of get awareness out that way uh for you know the people older than four years old right well i have a suggestion for somebody to do a voice who i think has a great voice and has t1 too uh from wizards of waverly place jennifer stone yes yes she's got a great voice that's my pitch right there i think uh, she was she was one of the two people uh we you know i think we were uh circling her and mary mauser from uh you know she's uh ralph macchio's daughter and cobra kai she's a t1d yeah sure you know and uh, Breck, and uh, so I think we were circling all of them for potential roles in the show. Oh, okay, well, so I didn't have such a, a new idea. Never mind. No, um, and Jennifer is uh, actually, she works uh, her day job these days. She is a nurse at a hospital right here in Burbank. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, I've had her on the show. She was terrific. She um, was such a normal person that I told her when we were done. I was like, wow, that was, you were so great. Like, I've I've interviewed other people who have a degree of fame, and there's sometimes like, you know, avail between you and them. And she was sure. just, she was so cool. It doesn't surprise me, actually. She has a pretty popular uh, podcast that she started recently um, about the TV show that she was on. And it doesn't surprise me at all. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you'll find this boring, but I want to understand like the whole process of pitching a show to Netflix. Like what's that like? And how long does it take? Well, uh, so initially it's, I pitched, uh, to DreamWorks directly, uh, and DreamWorks sold it to Netflix, but similar process okay. if I went into Netflix uh, directly, but, um, I had a connection to DreamWorks, you know, friend, uh, a friend knew one of the executives there and they said, Oh, would you meet with Rick? And I, and they said, sure. So I came in with an idea. I came in with kind of a, a three page pitch and I asked my next door neighbor, who's a, you know, a visual artist to like draw two pictures of a little tiny character with a leaf hang glider, you know, uh, and that I would, I I bring to the pitch and I pitched it verbally. And again, it was, 
they weren't fairies at that point. So this is part of the process. And, you know, they, they liked it. They, they saw something in it and they said, could you make it fairies? And we had that back and forth. And I said, I said, if you do it my way, I think that that'll make it work and make us both happy. And then it just becomes an evolving process. There was, there was a, a quite a, a few back and forth before they purchased the idea from me. Right. And uh, eventually after a couple rounds of notes, they said, yeah, we'd like to move forward and pay you to develop this with us. Uh, but and DreamWorks takes it takes a while because they they do such a comprehensive um, pitch package. So they spent a lot of money on you know visual development. We did a whole animation test. We brought in you know uh, an actress to do a voice test for us with the with the animated character who ended up being so great that she's one of the stars of the show. Wow. Um, and so we we had I think it was like a sixty four point PowerPoint presentation all with art. Uh, and so this is bigger than, it, it, I mean, like I have the ability to go in and pitch three pages some directly to a network, but, but having this big behemoth of DreamWorks behind me and that pedigree and they're, you know, when they make the deal, they're ready to go into production, you right. know, and I also had to write a pilot and a series Bible to pr- present the, as part of this the development process. Mm-hmm. So we had questions, you know, during the development process, the paid development process, like, well, we've got these three dewdrop best friends that live in different apartments, but they're tiny. How do they get in touch with you with each other? Do they have cell phones? And I was like, no. And I remember it was just like in the moment of like, they have do alerts. It's kind of like Batman's bat signal, but they shoot out these light butterflies that go and get each other. And that's part of the show. And that was just, you know, (laughs) we were in the creative role on that kind of stuff. So, um, so all that stuff comes together and we, you know, we eventually go in to pitch it to Netflix and uh, they have a first look deal there. And actually, you know, this is a little inside baseball here, but like they actually passed initially uh, because they had another fairy show in the works. And they're like, uh, but eventually, while we were still pitching it around town, that other fairy show fell out and Netflix called up and said, hey, is that still available? Wow. And we're like, yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, so we were able to set that up. Uh, but that was a the development process on that one was two and a half years wow. or two years uh, until we in about two and a half years. So we started production. So it's a long process for sure, especially animation, because then you have to build all the characters. You have to model. It's a 3D CG show. So it's like modeling and rigging the characters and design. And I had meetings that were, you know, I remember having like two many hour meetings about like the, the pattern of stripes on one of the characters socks. <laughs> and uh, I, re- I remember eventually going like, so frustrated. I'm like, is this really what we're doing? We're, you know, and I eventually going, can it just be number 11? I like number 11. They're like, oh, you like number 11? That's the, that's it. I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> that, that I, it? I, You're waiting for me, huh? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, wait, I'm the showrunner. I forgot that uh, <laughs> I, could uh, I could probably just, you know, tell them what I like. Yeah, <laughs> that was very early in the process. How many scripts do you have to have before you go to animation? Uh you mean before you sell it or once you're in well, no, the... No, once, uh, you, once you're we're making the show, I mean, you have to send the scripts off somewhere to be animated, right? So do you... Yeah, for sure. We used a, a, a company in France called Team Toe, an amazing animation company. But we would do... So scripts are being written. A lot of it overlaps, you know? So once the scripts are written and, you know, every week a new first draft is due. We had, we had an order for 52 episodes. Wow. So, um, you know, every... Every Monday, I would have a final draft. Uh, so 52 weeks from when we start, you know, we'll have all those 
the script's done. Mm-hmm. And then, but you know, a week after we finish the, the the final draft, we have a recording session and we record the voices. And they, and then uh, a week after that, you know, I mean, more than a week after that, it takes a little while. But the next stage would be uh, we would have like a storyboard launch where we would like meet with the artist and they would kind of look at the script and ask us questions and kind of like do some drawing, saying, "Do you mean this? Do you mean that?" And then we go on to, then they do what's called an animatic, which is kind of a moving storyboard, just all black and white sketches. Um, And then after we get notes on that and refine, they eventually go into uh, animation. They'll do a, what's called a a layout pass first, where we kind of see those T model pose. uh, You know, it looks like just a, a, a figure that doesn't move where they just move it around like a doll, you know, just so we get the kind of figure out is this the right angle for the shot? And yeah. you're looking at the, that kind of stuff. And then they start the actual animation phase and there's a lighting phase. And then there's, you know, uh, you, there's you're the, all the, involved in all that. Are you like, yeah, step by yeah step? As, as the executive producer and showrunner, um, you know, I'm there for giving music score notes, mm-hmm. uh, and meeting with, with the, with the composers. I'm, I'm looking at, you know, the boring part of the job is like when they make a leaf, uh, I'm going to get 45 different angles of a leaf to sign off on. <laughs> uh, so it's very exciting in the very beginning, but then eventually after you've been doing it for a while, like this, you hold yep, it, up it looks like a teacup. Hold it up yeah. to the cat and see which one it bats at. <laughs> hey, uh, does DreamWorks is universal, right? Yes, they're yeah. owned by NBC Universal. Did they do a lot of animation in France? Because I seem to remember Scott Moser living in France for a couple of years to make The Grinch. So I wonder if there's a lot of um, animation that happens there. Yeah. Oh, no. There's a lot of different animation studios in France. But oh, I mean, there are a lot of them in, in like uh, Vancouver as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of places go to India and Korea. Um, but there's no, qu- quite a few in uh, in France. Yeah. No, I mean, I just I don't. That's a really like I said, I don't know if I could even explain all of that. But uh, Scott used to be Kevin's. Well, I guess Scott maybe is Kevin Smith's producer still, but he's moved on and done some other stuff. And he made the Grinch movie and. I just remember, you know, on his Instagram for two years, he suddenly lived in France, and mm. and then the movie was ready, and then he didn't live in France anymore. I was like, oh, that was interesting. <laughs> um, you didn't have to go to France. Uh, no, I mean because it was smack dab in the middle of the pandemic, so we had like every day nine a.m. our time, six p.m. their time. We would have like a like an hour meeting to catch up and figure out what needs to be done and mm-hmm. give notes, that kind of stuff. Fifty two. That's a that's a pretty good commitment, right? Fifty two episodes. Yeah, it turns out to be like two Netflix season drops. Okay. Uh, and then do they, is it one of those things that you think is like, is it one and done? Or do you think they'll they'll want to talk if it does well? Or how, do you talk about that? The hope is, I mean, because it's Netflix, you know, they're going to need data and see how many clicks we get and how many people watch, you know, three minutes or they watch all the way through and want to watch the next episode. So they'll need at least, um, you know, probably eight weeks worth of data, like to see if it's a hit. And then if it's, or it could grow, you know, somewhere in between, like we're talking before, like stinky dirty could have a brand new audience, uh, you know, you know, but they could suddenly start to grow and realize, okay, yeah, we'll pick up another season, another production season. So we'll see. I mean, my fingers are crossed. This is my baby. I mean, the show is my love letter to my daughters. And so I really want uh, another season and I really want to see it continue. And I have, an idea on how in another production season, how to show disabilities in a different way, not quite type one, but I think disabilities are important to be represented on screen. So I want that done. And I've got, 
you know, so I have ideas on where to take another season of this show. You just made me wonder if the people listening to my podcast know that I have to sit in meetings with advertisers and tell them my listen through rate while they're deciding if they want to buy more ads and things like that. <laughs> How freaking uh, mind numbing and somehow scary it all is like my the last quarter of every year of my life is spent walking around on eggshells uh trying oh, to, trying to bring the podcast back to people for like another year and it's uh, you've had some you've had some sponsors that have been around forever which they, is great they're very cool like the people who support the show are amazing at how they do it it's the new people that come in you know it, it, it's uh it's a space that's becoming more and more understood i used to deal with people who were just like they didn't know what they were even asking me uh but now now they they seem to understand it a little better. So I'm answering a bunch of questions and trying to make a podcast at the same time. Um, right, and you also get out, and you also get these advertisers that are very specific to the type of podcast you have, which is which is nice because you know if you're just another uh, movie review place, you know uh, you really need to you know hear about you know whatever you know it's hot hot pot is uh, popular yeah, I, uh, well, these days. Please, I'm, I'm, I do have as it's gotten larger. I do have like athletic greens and some other stuff that you hear in more podcasts are coming to me, which is terrific and exciting, but you're not wrong. Like there's a lot of comfort um, knowing that it's a niche show and that the advertisers are, I mean, I don't know another way to put this. They don't have a lot of options. You know what I mean? So <laughs> right. I'm kind of, I'm kind of the guy. So uh, it, it, it is very helpful, but it's still no less stressful. Like you, you know, sure. I've been doing this for nine years. And if I see two days go the wrong way on downloads, I'm like walking around the house like it's over. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's like, isn't it Easter? I'm like, that doesn't matter. They could listen. <laughs> so I, I feel for you. I hope you can avoid that and just sit back and enjoy the ride. Um, what do your girls think of the show? They're, I mean, they're a little old for it now. I sure. mean, but I think about it. I came up with it six years ago and it's finally coming out, but still they, they're great. I mean, and my older daughter is interested in animation as a potential career. So, um, so she kind of likes checking out the animatics and I'm actually going to her high school animation class, uh, next month to kind of show the process. Uh, you know, I told you all those steps. Yeah. I'm going to show the opening this. I've got this great like opening on the pilot where it's this like, uh, you see the little fairy running from like the boulder in the cave from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, and then she jumps out into the light and you realize she was behind the couch and the baby just pushed the soccer ball after her. Uh, and so I basically am showing all the different stages of that one, you know, 90 second clip to the class saying, OK, here's the animatic and here's the the, the, the initial drawings and here's the the, 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 the T-pose phase for layout. And here's the animation. Here's the lighting. And. So, uh, but they, they dig it. I mean, my little, my, my little one is not so little anymore. She's taller than me now. She's 14 and she's in that very, uh, grumpy, uh, <laughs> just, I'm a teenager. She just grunts. Uh, so I don't know if she likes it. Uh, but, uh, I think she thinks it's cool, uh, that her dad does this, but she won't say anything to me about it. Yeah. When you do a <laughs> gag, like the Raiders thing. Is it for adults watching? Is it just for you? Or is it like, is it your way of like kind of secretly showing a, a little kid something that you love? It's, I mean, it's all of that. I mean, okay. it's like, I really want, I mean, whenever you try and do a joke uh, and in, especially in the younger thing, it has to play on their level. So you can't do, you know, verbal, you know, puns as much or, you know, verbal <laughs> jokes that they're not going to understand. They'll understand, you know, they, they, you know, they fall on their face and that's funny. But, you know, so that kind of thing. But they're seeing the danger of this giant ball after them going with wide eyes. They're like, you know, this is crazy. But as the parent who's co-watching, they're like, 
oh my gosh, that's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Or they're like, oh my gosh, that's Tron. Is that Tron we're watching? Right? You know, it's right. it's like, so they're, they're kind of having a fun time. And I, I like to give those winks to parents. I mean, I just, there's so many shows out there that don't do that, that, you mm-hmm. know, that parents are like, this is terrible. Why does my kid like this show? You know, but it's like, you want them to kind of, you know, while they're, you know, while you're doing laundry to go stop for a second to go, that, that's pretty funny. You, you know, know how, and, how long it can stick with you too. I can sing. I think I could probably sing the opening to out of the box <laughs> and, that, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, and a couple of other, those, I mean, the little Einstein's theme is still ringing. Oh, in my gosh. Head, you know, so it is nice to give something, you know, that if I'm in the room with it, at least I can, maybe you should slip in a couple of esoteric back and forth. The kids will stare through it, but <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. So I do try and do as much, you know, humor that I think the adult will watch. And I, the show is technically what they call bridge, which is like a little preschool aged up a little bit. So we have a little bit of that danger, mm-hmm. but you know, we also have to be careful. Like we don't want like to see the kid climb on the chair with books on the chair to read something. I have to be, you know, cognizant of, oh, that's you know, those type of things. Yeah. That's very interesting. Do you, um, so this is a, so then you're working on this show now, does that preclude you from doing other things or how's it does? I mean, like I have been exclusive to DreamWorks. I'm past kind of the exclusive phase right now. So they, they need me definitely during writing phases and certain phases of production to be totally exclusive. I'm always allowed to develop my own stuff that the, the question became like, if it's one of those turns into a job, but development takes so long as we were talking about how it took me two and a half years you got to get a job in between. So I try and develop a lot of stuff. And, uh, but I'm, I've reached a point in my career where I can probably work on two shows at the same time. Um, you know, maybe take a little bit of a backseat and more like consulting producer on one of them and give kind of, you know, very specific notes or sit into like a color correction session or something like that. It's It's interesting because I don't think people think about that. I mean, I, I know I hadn't in the past, but I'm assuming it's, it's not like it's not like the show runs for this many years and you get paid every week, right? You still have right. bills and you have to live and somebody wrote you a check and now that part's over, I assume. So now you're doing the work and and you have to keep yourself moving. Like that's a Yeah, a for sure. Role. And like when I was exclusive, you know, I had finished the writing phase, but I was still exclusive at that point for looking at animatics and and uh animation and giving notes and that kind of stuff. But I did, I got an opportunity, uh, my old show Thomas and Friends, you know, they said, hey, we want someone to write a Christmas movie for us next year. Would you be willing to do it? And I just asked DreamWorks, hey, can you give me permission in my contract to work on that movie? And they said, sure. Oh, that's and cool. So you just it's you just got to be above board. You know, if I came in and said, hey, I want to also show run another show for your competitor, yeah. they might be a little less likely to say yes to yeah. that one. No, no, thank you. If you have a good idea, give it to us. Is that the idea? Yeah, no. exactly. Yeah. But now, like I said, I'm not exclusive at the moment. Uh, and so which is great. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm doing some freelances for other shows coming out. And, you know, uh, while I wait to see if we're going to get picked up for another season, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting, isn't it, how everything has changed? Like when my kids were little, like a Pixar movie, for example, like and DreamWorks and Pixar were like putting movies out in the theaters constantly. And now it's almost like that's not really the focus anymore. Like it's almost like movies come out in theaters as a an addition to their being dropping on somebody's streaming service or something like that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's very strange. I mean, I, we've been talking about this lately because we're talking about getting, you know, I've been talking to DreamWorks about publicity for the show. And like, why haven't we done it yet? I mean, it, it'll be out there by the time this thing airs. Right. But they, the, the, the thing is, people don't have the same attention span anymore. So, you know, you don't see, I like when I was a kid, you know, you would see a, a trailer for a movie coming out next year, like, you know, 12 months away or the big summer tentpole you're getting at Christmas. They don't do that anymore because no one's going to remember and they don't they only care about the now. So the bulk of publicity for my show um, is going to happen once it airs or like in the days leading up. But they'll drop a trailer like a month before. And then in the days leading up, you know, there might be a little bit, but the bulk of it's going to happen after because we don't want parents to go, oh, my gosh, um, this Dewdrop Diary sounds perfect for my kid. Where can I watch it? Oh, it's not out yet. Yeah. Forgotten. It makes sense. It really does. I, um, I, I'm always talking with people about like there's so much content in the podcast and it's so relevant to people. But if I don't keep repackaging it and showing it back up, they start thinking it's old. And I'm like, no, there's there's a conversation that lasts about 90 minutes about how to bowl is for the fat and French fries. I don't need to do it again. It's right there. Like, it, it, you know, go use that one. It's interesting. Yeah. I always have that feeling like if it wasn't for but at the same time, if it wasn't for that, if, if that's not how people's minds work, then we'd all be watching MASH still because mm-hmm. that was fine. That was you know, that was great. You know, like, why don't we just do this over and over again? So it, it's tough because when you're creating it, you want people to enjoy it and when you're consuming it you're like where's where's new and more i just miss movies i grew up going to the movies and there's a beautiful movie theater two miles from my house that is sitting absolutely dormant with weeds growing out of the parking lot and it's hard you know it's so sad yeah so so sad yeah and then in the theaters you do go to now are all like i don't i don't know how to put it but it's not quite right like it's digital but it doesn't look great and it's not about the experience of being at the theater and i don't know it feels like a thing that's i wish would come back a little bit but i might sound yeah so for sure uh anyway i'll make a bunch of money one day i'm gonna open up a drive-in that that'll be it i love the drive we took the kids when they were little i remember when they when one of my when my little one was first diagnosed for like what, what we just wanted to do something with them that we could control and be with them and like, let's go to the drive-in. And yeah. there's a few out here in Los Angeles. So uh, that was just, I just remember it being a great night. Yeah. We've, we used to, my wife used to get off the train, even after we were married on Fridays and we would just rush home, get changed real quick, drive over, like sit around in the back of the car and watch a movie. And that was fantastic. But anyway, to your point, everybody is moving so quickly that, I mean, that we're not even measuring things as did I turn it on? It's like, did I stay? Like, who would have, I've walked out of two movies in my entire life. Like, honestly, two. And I'm almost embarrassed to tell you, I hated Ed Wood. (laughs) And I did not like Robin Hood Men in Tights. Those were the two movies I just got up and I was like, I'm okay. I don't need this. Thank you. But other than that, once you're there, you'd made a commitment and you'd, You'd sit and watch, you know, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. And there's so much content on television now and streaming that, you know, like if I'm not drawn in by the first episode, I'm not watching anymore. You know, it's like before you, I'll give it one or two episodes, maybe three. And and now I'm like, eh, not holding my attention. I'm done. Yeah, I actually, uh, now it's valuable for people to give you a a recommendation because then you think, well, maybe I, maybe I should make it to the third episode. They keep saying get to the third episode, but yeah, that's really interesting. So, um, is there anything we haven't covered? Anything that you want to talk about that we haven't? Uh, not really. I mean, um, I, this has been great. I'm just uh, really excited to talk to you. And uh, like, I've been a fan of the the podcast for a while. And 
So I was excited uh, when, you know, uh, I, I reached out to you and you were like, yeah, let's, let's chat. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I was like the guy with the Arden daughter, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what you did really like at that point. Um, I do have a question. Maybe you don't know the answer to it though. At some point, I imagine you go to your daughter and say, hey, there's another little girl named Arden. She has diabetes, blah, blah, blah. Does she give a crap or does she just like, oh, that's interesting. I think, well, I mean, at the time when I told her, she's like, that was really cool. I mean, I, I do remember her saying, wow, but it's like, it wasn't like, you know, hey, can we be friends or, you know, and I think it was pre, I mean, the kids were too young to have Instagram. Like now it's like, she, my daughter's like, you know, she just got into UC San Diego and it's like all the people are on Instagram and she's meeting new potential roommates that way, you know, yeah. like, uh, and so you know, back then it was like, okay, that's great. We did a Facebook message or something, uh, you and I, and mm -hmm. I think that's where it ended. But I think she was definitely curious and thought that was cool because she had never met another Arden. And now she goes to high school with another Arden, which is always uh, interesting to me. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, that's very, very cool. Yeah, I actually watched Arden do the same thing getting off to college. She met, they found roommates through Instagram, became friends. They all sussed each other out for a while, made decisions and everything. And it was it was really cool. Like even just a few years prior to that, my son did it over the phone, and now, you know, it, it just changes. So, what is she going for? Are you able to tell me? Yeah, she's. Uh, I think the degree they have there is called uh, media arts. Okay. So it's kind of some kind of California crunchy type of film degree where you kind of learn philosophies but you also take still photography and you do learn film there might be a little bit of animation but it's really pushing like you know whatever um uh social issue you want into the films that you do and the projects that you do it's it's very uh um uh, like i said it's a little crunchy in terms of that respect it's not like straight film school yeah i hear what you're saying you're gonna be hiring your daughter in four years like <laughs> oh my god i, I hope so i mean yeah, she's such a great, great artist that I, I would definitely use her for character design if i could isn't that interesting where they're so my my arden through growing up maybe there was one year she seemed to put some effort into an art class and other than that just not she was never that person and leading into her senior year she says um i, I want to go to art school to learn how to design clothing and we were like you don't sew and you don't you've never drawn anything and i was like are you sure because her backup was a uh, pre-law <laughs> she's like I, okay. either that or i'm gonna be a lawyer and we were like uh, okay and so um we supported her obviously but when you send her off you're like i wonder how this is gonna go you know and um she sent a drawing back to us and i was like wow is she gonna like like power her way through this. And, and I don't know, like she, she, when she first got there, she's like, I don't know if I can do this. She was a little shaky. And I told her a story and I sent her a picture. It's going to be very strange for some people, but I, um, I sent her a picture that Howard Stern drew on the air about 20 years ago. It's a caricature of somebody he works with. And mm -hmm. I sent a picture uh, that he drew of a field near his house in the last couple of years, because he's taken to painting and sort of in his sixties. And I said, the same person who drew this horrible caricature painted this. And I said, I've heard him say that anybody can teach themselves how to do this. And so I said, I don't see why you couldn't either. And she sent us something back a couple of months later. And I was like, my, I'll find it and show it to you before we go. But I was like, I'm like, Oh my God, you did this. And she said, yeah. She's like, she just sits in her room and practices like, and she doesn't even want to draw. She's just, that's part of the curriculum. She has to learn how right. to draw first. And uh, I think she's finally getting to the sewing machines now, but 
I didn't know what else to do because it's it seems like a thing. I think it seems like a thing, like what you do or even this thing I'm doing probably seems like magic to people, but it's not. Like I taught myself to do this. You, you know, I I taught myself what the equipment was and then I taught myself, then I recorded and I listened and I was like, that sucks. I wouldn't listen to this. I'm going to do it this way. Like I, I thought if I could teach myself this, maybe she could teach this to herself too. So um, it's very cool. So I, I want to wish your daughter a lot of luck. Thank you. It's so funny. There's so much alike because the same thing, like my daughter Arden was taking some animation classes. I never knew that she was even interested in drawing. And then she starts, goes into her room, starts doing some drawing. And I'm like, this isn't half bad. And meanwhile, she's like, and if that doesn't work out, free law. Oh, really? Oh, same thing. Same thing. And I was like, oh, wow. So, but the, the she was going to go to this other school that ha- has a very animation heavy uh, major. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were all set to go to this expensive private school for her and uh, f- for next year. And then she turns to me and goes, but I don't know if I like the actual animating part, like, you know, like learning all that software. I just kind of like to draw. And I was like, well, this school is great for that, but if you're interested in like other stuff, you got into a, a better school. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and they also have you can do the the visual arts stuff at the other school. And then we went down there and looked. I was saying earlier this weekend, she's like, "Oh my god, I feel like I belong at this place." And so I was I was happy to oh, hear very, that. Yeah, it's very cool. Arden is incredibly comfortable where she is, and she definitely um, she definitely found the right spot. So it it was awesome. Yeah, I. It's tough too because my son is just like he just wanted to play baseball. Like I mean, he, I think he only went to college because he was on a baseball team. If I'm being perfectly honest, mm-hmm. and he's like, well, I don't know what to major in. And I was like, you know, you talk to him, he didn't know. So I was like, well, you're good at math. Like, do something mathy, and maybe you'll figure it out from there. And he comes out with this like quantitative econ degree, and he's like, I don't know what to do with this. And I was like, Are you kidding me? So he found a job. Um, He's working for a subsidiary of Sony right now doing like back end sports stuff. So like all the all the number stuff that you see on television when you're watching almost every major sporting event is is happening, you know, where he works and uh, and he started there. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how kids pick something to go off to college and do. I mean, you went to school, but like with what? Like saying, like, I'd like to write. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't know. I had no skills. I mean, I I, I made a video like a spoof of Ghostbusters when I was in sixth grade. You know, on uh, with a big deck to deck video system, and I got my dad's finger in front of the lens half the time. You know, (laughs) did have you ever heard me tell the story on here where I am newly married, and I I make this announcement to Kelly one morning that I have this idea for a movie, and I'm not going to go to work. I'm going to sit home and write it. And I hash out, I'm there all day, and I hash this all out. I put, I probably put 10 pages together, and um, she gets home, and I'm like, here it is. And she reads it, and she goes, uh, have you ever read A Bridge to Terabithia? And I said, no, why? She goes, well, you're writing it right now. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was such a down moment. I, I had this, like this house and there was a fence in the back and beyond the fence in the woods was blah, 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 and you know, like, doing all this. And she's like, yeah, that's a book. And I was like, 
God oh, damn man. it. <laughs> so anyway. and, and that's that's the hazard of screenwriting is like every time you have that great idea, like as you're starting to execute it, you'll read in the trades that like, oh, so-and-so is making that movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always, like, oh. you always hear about comedians texting each other like, you don't have a joke about like this premise, do you? Because, you know, and that's exactly how I felt it. And I have to tell you that really – um, it kind of crushed me, like, because I was like, I only had like this one day. Like, how many more times is this girl going to be okay with what I just said to her? Like, I'm not going to work today. I'm going to write an idea down. Um, right. And so, and we just, like I said, it just there was nobody around us that lived in that space, and so it just felt magical, not not tangible. And uh, anyway, I'm lucky that I got to do any of this stuff. Honestly, that's pretty cool. Uh, well, Rick, I appreciate you doing this very much. Um, I know you can't tell me exactly when the when it's coming out, but when people are hearing this podcast, your show will be available on Netflix. Yeah, right? they'll be able to find it on Netflix. Uh, and I think they're going to do some kind of big announcement about like Netflix family summer, but that'll already be <laughs> announced before this. But yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Well, when the, if whenever that announcement comes out, get in touch with me and I will uh, I will we'll put it in the private Facebook group as well and let everybody know what's happening. So oh, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Thank maybe, you. Maybe we can get your first 40,000 listeners or, or, or viewers. <laughs> Uh, all right. Awesome. That'd be amazing. They're very cool to talk to you. Hold on one second for me. Okay. Sure. Thanks. A huge thanks to Rick for coming on the show, telling us about his kids, his life, and his new show, Do Drop Diaries. Don't miss it on Netflix. Not only can you support Rick and the show and type one actors, but get this Rick said, he told me online just a couple weeks ago. If the show gets a second season, he's going to let me be a voice in it. I'm going to be a fairy. I mean, if you guys go watch Dewdrop Diaries right now, get going. What are you doing? Don't you want to hear me be a fairy? Here, I'll, I'll do a line from um, after the music. I'll do it. Uh, I have to thank Omnipod for sponsoring this episode. Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. And of course, drinkag1.com forward slash juicebox. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Okay, I have an idea. Hold on a second. Stay with me. Okay, I have the trailer here for Dewdrop Diaries. I'm going to do some lines from it. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. That's one of the fairies. That's the fairies. Got to be an adult here somewhere. Um, Hold on. Yeah. Ah, there. There's a father. He says, hmm, someone must be looking out for me today. I can do it. Look how good I sounded. All right, let's keep going. Hold on a second. I can't be a kid. Like my voice is too deep, right? Uh, I could be an animal. I could definitely be an animal's voice. What kind of an animal could I be? Like a dog? Or what else? You guys aren't much help when I can't talk to you directly. There's a baby. How cool would it be if the baby had a really deep voice in its head, Rick? When the, when the baby thought to itself, he sounded like me. That'd be funny. Hold on, what else do I have here? Yeah, I don't think I can play a fairy. I don't. Th- my voice, I can't get my voice that high. I don't think you want that. You want my nice natural voice. I'm going to have to be a parent. All right, that wasn't as helpful as I thought. Um, you know what I'll do? Here, hold on a second. It's, re- it's restarting. Give me a second. Uh, fairy show dialogue. Hmm. <laughs> That's Midsummer's Night Dream. Hold on a second. What's the very famous fairy? 
the little one, Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell uh, script. There. There we go. Oh, a narrator. I could be a narrator for sure. Have you ever wondered how nature gets its glow? Who gives it light and color as the seasons come and go? I could totally do that. I'm like that guy uh, with the guy. You know what I mean. The books where shit rhymes. Uh, anyway, I could do that. I could definitely be an animal. I could do narration or I could be a parent. I have an idea. I have to... I, hold on. Uh, I'm going to tell chat TTP. Write a 30-second promo for the new Netflix show, Do Drop Diaries. Okay. We'll let, we'll let, we'll let the robots take care of this. And then this will be my, um, my coming out, right? Yeah, see, here we go. I don't know if any of this is right. So, <clears throat> get ready for a heartwarming journey like no other. Netflix presents the highly anticipated series, Dewdrop Diaries. How was that? Uh, then it cuts to a picturesque town, it says, and then the narrator comes back. In the charming town of Dewville, where dreams come to life, follow the extraordinary adventures of four unlikely friends. Meet Lily, the curious bookworm. Uh, hold on, I tripped up. Meet Lily, the curious bookworm. Max the mach... Uh, Alright, this is my first read. Max the mis... What? Max is the mischievous... Max the mis... Okay. Max the mischievous inventor, Mia the talented artist, and Ben the adventurous nature lover. Join them... Uh, by the way, I don't know if any of these names are right. This chat GTP could be out of its mind. Join them as they unravel captivating mysteries, solve puzzles, and discover the magic hidden within their town. With each episode, prepare for unexpected twists, heartwarming friendships, and lessons that will inspire viewers of all ages. Right? Binge watch the enchanting series and let your imagination soar. How was that? Was it good? Be honest with me. Could I do this? I feel like I've got a nice secondary income idea here. I could be a voice actor. I, I would start... I'd be like, hello, hi, how are you? I'm Scott. What do you do? Oh, I make a podcast and I, I do I do voice acting. Yes, I'm, I'm very famous. I'm on Do Drop Diaries. That's how, that's how I'm going to talk to people. If you guys watch Do Drop Diaries and get them a second season. I have to be honest, I just listened back to it. I don't think I should push my voice so hard. Rick, I'm going to need to be directed. That's for sure. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a novice, but I'll, I'll come around quickly. I just think with a little bit of direction and just a little prompting and maybe teach me how to sit up straight and... I have this little thing here. My, my lip gets a little wet. Like if I could figure that out, right? <clears throat> right? I just need a little direction. And then I could be the man. I could totally be the baby's voice or the dad or, I mean, or obviously you already have a dad. So you're going to need a neighbor. Like, so get a neighbor. I'm going to be the neighbor. This is it. I love this. You want me to go slower? I can talk slower, Rick. You want me to speed up and be faster? I can do that too. I'm very versatile. 